Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Steve S. Palmer. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app or website for ways to give. Thank you. How do you follow that? I'll tell you, um, I was reading Psalm 113 the other day, and it it talks about how God raises the, the poor out of the ash heap. And I want to tell you, 51 years ago, I was a helpless, messed up drug addict with no future, brain shot from too much LSD. And Jesus saved me and changed my life. And it says he raises him up to sit with princes. And it's, I feel like I'm sitting with a prince when I sit with our pastor. He is a prince among men, and it's an honor. Yeah. yeah. Before I, I um, share the word, I, I want to make an announcement. Um, and it's, again, about healing and prayer and a week of prayer and fasting. Um, I, I don't know about you, but... I am not okay that not only are there a number of folks in our church that still need healing, but I'm not okay There's about with this. There's about 10 women in our church. Some are facing surgery this week, like Cindy. Uh, Emily's already going through chemo. There's a number of women that uh, just had or they're going to have um, biopsies. And are you okay with that? I'm not. I'm not okay with that at all. And, and God's not okay with it. So God's waiting for us to do something about it. He's given us the authority. He's given us the power. He's made provision for healing. I know there are times where it is, like the Bible says, a sickness unto death. Of course, there's a time. I just did two funerals this week. It was the time. But there's no way I'm going to believe that it's time for 10 or 20 women in our church to go to heaven. A lot of these are young moms, just it's just, just wrong. And I believe God wants to heal them. And we've been having some healings. Come on. Amen. And um, so I'm not going to, I just don't think we should allow it. So what do we do about that? We pray and we pray and we pray some more until we see a breakthrough. And I have seen, this is, this is like not, you know, pie in the sky stuff. It's just not something to happen a thousand years ago. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still is healing the sick today. I have seen with my own eyes in meetings completely crippled people get out of wheelchairs and walk. I've watched. I was with Heidi when she hugged a blind man, and I helped baptize him in the Indian Ocean. We've, I've seen the children pray, and I've seen people healed of cancer and heart disease, broken bones on the spot. This is what Jesus does. This is part, um, it says, by his stripes we were healed. In Matthew chapter 8, the he- one of the healing chapters in the Bible, they made the application from Isaiah 53 that it also includes not just salvation, but salvation is complete, not just your spirit, but your body as well. And so, yeah, of course our bodies are going to wear down, and eventually we're going to Unless, unless Jesus returns soon, we'll get a new one in the end, okay? But right now, we want to we wanna see some miracles happen, and we want to press through. So what we're asking for, and today, by the way, at the end of the service, we're going to have another time of prayer for the sick, not just the women that we're concerned about, but anybody that needs healing. And we're going to keep praying. I know there's lots of testimonies. Um, Lou, we're out of time, but Lou was just sharing five years ago. He was diagnosed. Lou, wait, wave your hand that he was going to be completely blind. Can, how many fingers am I holding up, Lou? 
He's, he's healed, and he's getting healed. It's awesome. Come on. And we had last week. <laughs> it's two, Louis. Two fingers. Okay. <laughs> last, last week when we had that healing time, or was it the week before? I can't remember. Two weeks ago, there was some dramatic stuff that happened with one of the women from the ladies of the king or daughters of the king. It was powerful. We're going to see some healings today. And so, but we're calling for a week of fasting and prayer, and the first week of August, five days, and we want to ask you to sign up. We're going to have uh, two prayer meetings a day, every day at noon, and every day at six, and it'll end on Friday night with a, with a special healing service where we're going to encourage people, bring anybody you know that's not feeling well, anybody that's sick, anybody that's got an injury, bring them, and something's going to happen. And as far as fasting's concerned, I just want to clear up any misconceptions, um, Fasting is not trying to twist God's arm to do something that he doesn't want to do. That's not what fasting's about. Fasting is, is, is stopping, uh, it, it's, it's pulling ourselves away, uh, whether it's, and there's many different kinds of fast, but the goal is to just get more time with God. The goal is to get to the end of ourselves so that we're with Jesus. It's just, it's a phenomenon. I don't know. It's just, it's just how it works. But there are different kind of fasts. Sure, you can eat no, no food at all, complete fast. Or there's Daniel fast where you just have grains and, and, and no meats or sugars. Um, and then there's just a, 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 the hardest fast in the world is a device fast. <laughs> I mean, how, do I live, how do I live without looking at this 100 times a day? You know. So anyhow, we want to ask the body... So let's fast and pray and let's seek God together and it will be powerful. All right, are you with me on that? All right. Okay. Today I'd like to share from the Word of God with you and um, I want to share as a friend and, and as a father, even though I'm only 40 years old, I can be. Um, a, why do people laugh when I say that? I want to share as a father with you as well. Nathan's been doing a great series on the, on the um, now I want to go back to, the, <laughs> there's two ways to say it in Greek, but ekklesia is the way we're saying it here. And um, just a little review, when this, there's over a hundred something mentions of the ekklesia in, in the New Testament, referring to the, the, the church. And the ekklesia was a secular term, it meant uh, a calling out uh, an assembly of people convened to convene in public. But more and more it became a Christian term, and it meant the called out of God, the gathering uh, of the called out of God, and it was increasingly associated with believers. And then it got to the point where it actually was talking about a gathering together of believers in a specific location, and that's what the ecclesia is. In 1 Timothy 3.15, Paul said, the household of God, which is, which is the church. Think about that, the household of God, which is the church. In other words, the family of God, which is the church, which Nathan keeps mentioning every week. And for some of us, we cringe when we hear the word family. If you came from a home like I did, Italian family, dysfunctional and Italian or, you know, synonymous. But, um, but um, no offense, Lorraine, but we're paisans, huh? So, but the gathering of, of, of people together. And this is why the author of Hebrews in chapter 10 
verse 24 says, let us consider how to spur one another to love and to good works. Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves as the manner of some is. We need to be together. My first point is the call of God. And uh, you might, um, and I don't want to encourage anybody if, um, uh, yeah, I'm getting my thoughts, getting ahead of myself. Um, I don't care when Paul was writing to the churches of Galatia or the churches in different locations. They were, I don't care if you're meeting in a nice building like this or in a house. It's talking about a group of people who are called by God and are committed to one another and meet regularly. Okay, and I'll clarify that a little bit more um, as, 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 as I go on. So my first point it's just simply the ecclesia is the called of God. We are the called of God, and we're called to meet together. Not just on Sunday, but this is an important meeting. The second point, and these are short points. Unlike some prophetic youth pastors that just go on and on, I'm, I'm usually pretty short. I didn't say anybody in particular. <laughs> I love you too, Tom. See, the kids' workers love when I speak because parents get their kids on time, you know. But anyhow. <laughs> the second short point I want to make about the ecclesia is the need. We need each other. I'll say it again. We need each other. Whole families, moms, dads, grandparents, brothers, sisters, little ones, older ones. It's the body of Christ, the full body. That's what Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 12. And um, we need each other badly. When I first got saved, um, I was with a bunch of, of hit, radical hippies that, that met every, every day, because we didn't work at the time. So every day we met, <laughs> we're hippies, every day. <laughs> We met at Bob Laurie's house for a Bible study, and we prayed for hours, read the word for hours. But that wasn't the church. That was a function of the church. But the church was that whole group of people. When we got together and we were part of an incredible church back then, Chestnut Assembly of God, with good old brother Harry Snook, who kind of fathered the, the Jesus movement in South Jersey. And um, we would go to church, and there we would be with grandmas and grandpas and we'd see you know we were really messed up kids that just got radically saved from from drugs and stuff and we would look at at married couples and see how a marriage was supposed to be we'd see uh, how it was to have kids we we and 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 what it was like to be with older people and younger people and children and it was a group experience we needed that and they spent time with us. The, the, the Tates would have us over almost every Sunday for spaghetti and meatballs, you know. And they would tell us stories. These were old, old saints. And they would tell us stories about God and his faithfulness and how God helped their marriage and how God healed their kids. And we needed that. That was the church in action. Without that, what do we have? There, God never um, saved anybody to be a Lone Ranger Christian. And um, yesterday, um, I had the deepest sorrow and yet the greatest joy and honor where I, I, um, I, I uh, buried a mother in the Lord. I, I, uh, Kay Owens, Jesse and Kay Owens, famous Assemblies of God missionaries and pastors, Kay went on to be with the Lord. 
And Kay and Jesse were mentors to my wife and me. Jesse actually got me started in college ministry, but Kay and Jesse helped us in our marriage. They helped us with our kids. They, they, they were an example to us. We watched their faithfulness. We watched them live their lives. That is church. That's the ecclesia. We could not have been, I would not be here today if it wasn't for the example of watching them and their input in our lives and hanging out with their kids. And do you see what I'm saying? We desperately need each other. It's not just going to a Bible study once a week with the same age group or the same sex. We need all of it. We need the whole body of Christ. That is the um, the, the calling that, that, that we have. And Paul says in Corinthians 12, I want to read some of this um, before I get to my third short point. Um, listen to what Paul says. And I, I want to elaborate on this, and it probably won't be short, Tom. Don't worry, I'm with you, brother. You're my favorite. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For the body doesn't just consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would, uh, would that make it any less a part of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. That would make would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose, as if all were a single member. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And he goes on and on. And he also talks about, and those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable uh, parts uh, of the body don't require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care one for another. Um, I mean, think about it. I mean, let's see, who's really handsome? I, I, I'm gonna, who should I pick on? Who's a real handsome guy? All right, Keith, you're a real handsome, rugged, lumberjack kind of guy, you know? <laughs> Look at that face, you know? Be in a John Wayne movie or something. But you know what? Under that skin are, are blood cells and, and muscles and a skeletal structure. If he didn't have a, any, any uh, uh, ligaments or muscles underneath that, he would be a blob, you know? That face wouldn't be handsome at all, but nobody wants to look at his skin peeled off. But those are important parts of his body. We need each other. Some people, you know, the problem in our culture is everybody's up front, and uh, uh, this group up here is so talented. Or you listen to Tom preach or Nathan, and you think, I can't do that. I don't have that kind of help. I'm no good. We're all an important part of the body. One of the great, great things, uh, I remember when, when, when I was saved in the churches, those people that were uh, the, the, those, the saints, they, they would tithe every week. They would pray every week. They never got up to speak. They just stayed married. They just kept following Jesus. They were the secret foundation of the church. They were just as important. Uh, we need white blood cells. We need red blood cells. We need veins. We need 
guts. <laughs> I had one friend, I don't mean to be a little crude, but he was an ex-pagan motorcycle gang member. Good old Roger Evans got radically saved. And it turns out he was a genius. And he went through seminary, went through CLEP tested halfway through Dallas Theological Seminary. He's got a million degrees. He's brilliant. He used to call himself a rectum in the body of Christ. <laughs> because he had to deal with so many problem issues and problem people. <laughs> See, we need each other. <laughs> I'm glad that was his ministry and not mine. And last night, I was, I was walking my dog, and I ran into one of my neighbors who's not really a churchgoer. We were talking about something about the trees in the neighborhood, and she goes, she goes isn't that like the church? I go, what? <laughs> She's not a churchgoer. She goes, isn't that like the church? She goes, one person can't know everything. That's why we need each other. Somebody knows something you don't know. It's like, hey, that'll preach. We need each other. Somebody knows something you don't know. <laughs> you know, when, when I need a prophetic gift, I, I want to talk to my brother Tom over here. I pick on Tom a lot because we've been friends for a million, well, 30 years. He looks like it's been a million, but it's only been 30. <laughs> so <laughs> if, I, if, I, if I need, like, some, some, some scripture... I go to Calvin. Calvin is, is a Bible scholar. He will, I mean, anybody that takes three years to go through ten verses of Genesis knows what he's talking about, you know. And Calvin and his wife, they live the word out. So, you know, we all have something to bring. You know what? You know what? Everybody, and it's important. It's all important. We need each other. And that's, but the problem is, and that's where I'm going to get to point three, is the reality. The problem is the reality. And here's the reality. I'm so tired of hearing this. I don't want to go to church. It's so full of hypocrites. Yeah, it is. And if you go, there'll be one more. <laughs> this is not heaven here. This is a hospital. You don't come to church expecting heaven. You go to church expecting a hospital. It's where people are getting healed. It's where people are growing. It's where people are helping each other to get better. Jesus is the general surgeon here, okay? <laughs> and there are nurses here. We have um, orderlies. We have maintenance people here. This is, this is a hospital. It's a family. It's, there's many illustrations. But you can't go to church and expect perfection. Jesus is working on us. And we can't be perfected without each other. And now I, I'm not saying if you're part, this is a healthy place. I love it here. But if you are watching or you're visiting and you're part of a church that's toxic, okay, there are places that are really unsafe. Get out. Go somewhere safe. But no place you go will be perfect. And if it is, the moment you walk in, it won't be. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? You know, I'm tired of all these excuses. Well, this has happened at church and that happened at church. That's why Nathan last weekend, by the way, that was a brilliant message. I wish if you didn't hear it, you should hear it. He talked about why we need to forgive each other, why it's critically important that we have grace for each other because we're not perfect and we are going to do dumb things because we're not perfect and we need each other. 
So this is the reality. People come expecting perfection, but it's not heaven, it's a hospital. And now I want to read something which is really the crux of my message. And I want to read a, a, a portion of scripture from the Gospel of John. And that's in the New Testament, if anybody has a Bible. You know, I, I, Nathan, I wanted to amen you last week. I, I think we, we still need to use these kind of Bibles, not just your phone. Because you're on your phone and you get interrupted with a text message or something pops up. And next thing you know, you're, you're down here. You need one of these, like this. And you can write in this and make notes and underline things. And come on. I'm going to read a good portion of John 11 because it really drives home the point I'm trying to make today. And by the way, when, when I, want to, I want to tell you something I passionately believe too. When I see you and you're at your best, that's who you really are. That's who you really are. When you're not at your best, when you're, that's not who you really are. That's just some stuff you need to work on or get healed of. I want you to keep that in mind, okay? It's really important. Jesus wants us to become who we really are. You know, besides salvation, do you want to know God's greatest gift to us? And this can be hard for you to believe. But God's greatest gift to us outside of the finished work of Christ is who you are. There's only one. He creates each one of us individually. And nobody can express the love of Jesus the way you do. There's nobody else like you. It is a gift from God. And God wants us to become who we really are. And we can only become who we really are in Christ. But the problem is our culture, and unfortunately many churches are always trying to teach you to be somebody else. I mean, think about it. In our performance, oriented culture we're always taught to be like somebody else from the moment I was born my family wanted me to be somebody besides who I was and a lot of us struggle because we've never been allowed to be ourselves we don't even know who we are we find our identity in Christ but then he wants us to become more and more who we really are and our job as the ecclesia is to help each other get there if if um, Tyler's acting up, I might say, hey, mate, you're not acting like yourself today. What's going on? Instead of saying, don't do that, you idiot, you know. I'll say, hey, Paul. Hey, mate, you're not, you're not acting like yourself. Something wrong? Yep. But you see the difference? You're not acting like yourself. What's, what's wrong? What's going on? So, let me read this story to you. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Now, I'm going to read the whole story, so I, lo I love reading the word of God. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It's for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. 
Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, now you and I, we would have rushed over there, right? He stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And that meant the Jewish leaders. Are you going there again? Because Jesus was Jewish. Remember that, all right? And his disciples were Jewish. The people that wrote the Bible, except for maybe Luke, were Jewish. So anti-Semitism is not acceptable. Our Savior is Jewish. Just want to point that out to you. And, and, and Jesus said, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the light in the night, he stumbles because the, the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Don't you love these guys? Total knuckleheads, just like us. Some of us more than others. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had been already been in a tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to him, to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection and, and, and life. Uh, wait, I'm sorry. I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God, who's coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here, and he's calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Tell me that's not the most beautiful two verses in the Bible. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? 
Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he's been dead four days. I like the King James Version better, but Lord, he stinketh. Look it up. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out. His hands and his feet were bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Now, why am I reading this beautiful but long story? Who raised him from the dead? Who raised him from the dead? Who raises us from the dead? But who did he tell to remove the grave clothes? He said, you guys, take the grave clothes off him. Unwrap him. See, the whole deal is after we get saved, after we're raised from the dead spiritually, we still have grave clothes on us. Old thought patterns. You know, our spirit man is perfect. But as Angie can tell you, being the leader of the soul care ministry here, the best ever, the soul, our intellect, our will, and emotions, that's where our memories are, our scars are, our bad habits are. You know, Paul said our body has sin in it, but your spirit doesn't. But your soul's been influenced. So those are your thought patterns and things. Those are grave clothes that have to be pulled off. And guess who Jesus has helped him do it? Us. Let's see if I can. I'm going to be like Jesus for a minute, okay? Lazarus, come forth. Now, he's raised from the dead, but he doesn't look too good, does he? Well, Jesus also said, <laughs> Jesus said, unwrap him. Where's my, where, are his, where are the helpers of Jesus? Here they are. <clears throat> unwrap him. So there it goes. Maybe, maybe this is forgiveness here, huh? Maybe this is some repentance for sins that were committed. So who's taking off the grave clothes? Yeah. Now imagine if they said, you idiot, and smacked him in the head. Why are you dressed like that? I mean, that's not how we treat each other. So, okay, he's going to stink a little bit right now. we got to be patient. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. See, look, I wish it would happen this fast in our lives. It usually takes decades, right? So you're watching 40 decades, just, I mean, 40 years just go by like that. Wow. 
Can anybody relate to this? Don't avoid church. Come and get your grave clothes removed. You notice the last... <laughs> Sometimes the hardest grave clothes to remove, though, are the ones around our head. Because that's... Paul said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is where the problem is up here. Can you guys get that? Oh, you can't reach. What are we, we going to do? All right. He's a wounded healer. Yeah, come on. Thank you. No, beautiful. That's how it works, folks. And then, wait, this, you see this? You know, you come to church, you see a lot of this. What do you expect, huh? And then we clean it up, right? This is what the body of Christ does for each other. Are you with me? Don't come here expecting heaven. Don't come here expecting everything to be perfect. Come here expecting to get your grave clothes removed, to see people getting cl their clothes re grave clothes removed, to come here and be part of the process, to be come here and be healed yourself or heal others. And that's why Nathan's been preaching so hard on forgiveness and grace for each other. None of us standing here are perfect. You know, Nathan said all those nice things about me. Just talk to my wife and see what I'm like at home. You get a different story. Come on, we're all full of mistakes and flaws, but we're, Jesus is changing us. We love Jesus, and he changes us. We're being changed, but we can't be changed on our own. I can't do it on my own. I need my brothers and sisters. I need you. You need me. We need each other. We are the body of Christ. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Jesus. It's time for us, I'm going to add on to what Nathan's been saying every week, to repent for some of our attitudes towards church. We need to repent and say, I am part of the body of Christ. You know, it's not squeaky clean yet. But you know, Jesus loves his church. He loves his church. It's his body. Are you, we are the body of Christ. I, I can't. I can't call somebody a stupid idiot or a jerk. That's talking to Jesus like that. I'm serious. The this is the body of Christ. And, and Jesus says he's coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Jesus doesn't look at how messed up we are. He looks at who we really are. He's wanting us to look the same way. Look beyond the grave clothes. You know, look at beautiful Jason over there. You look much better now, brother. You getting this? So I like to have us bow our heads. We're going to have a special prayer time today, of course, for the sick, especially for Cindy, who's facing surgery this week. Emily, who's still going for radiation every week. But I also want to have a time where we come up front 
And maybe you need to repent. And maybe you need to say it to somebody up front. Like, man, I've had a stinky attitude. I'm sorry. Jesus, thank you that for raising us from the dead and swallowing us up in life. Thank you that you love us just as we are. And you want us to be more and more who we are. Jesus, I ask today that you speak to our hearts, not just to tell people to get better attitudes, but Lord, so many of us have been hurt in church. We have been hurt by cruel words that never should have been said because somebody's grave clothes weren't off yet. Many of us have been hurt by even church leaders. And Jesus, I'm asking today for the balm of Gilead that you would begin to heal your body of hurtful words, of snubs, of clickishness, of the damage from gossip and slander. Lord, I'm just asking that you would heal these wounds. I thank you that you forgive us. And for all of us who have been guilty of doing some of those things, Lord, we also say to you today, we repent. We are sorry. Change us. Change us, Lord, so that we are a glorious bride without spot or wrinkle. Jesus, today, come and heal our hearts. And Lord, if we are here today and we are have been copying a bad attitude, today I pray you'd speak to us and, and begin to turn us around. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for checking out our Sermon of the Week. If you have questions or would like to get connected, download our app or visit us at providencecommunity.org. Thank you.